Welcome to the Aesthetic Entrepreneurs GSD, the number one podcast for aesthetic and beauty business owners who want to get stuff done and become the entrepreneurs the world needs them to be. Many of you out there are uncertain, overwhelmed, and confused about this thing called business. Where there's uncertainty, we give you comfort. Where there's overwhelm, we create calm. Where there's confusion, we provide clarity. So hi guys, uh, welcome back. It's RCS episode three of Aesthetic Entrepreneurs GSD Getting Stuff Done. Hope everybody's well and had a fantastic week. Um, really enjoyed um, the feedback we had from uh, last week's podcast talking about the Museum of Me. I feel a few of you have, have done that and actually sent me through links to them, which is fantastic. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's great to know that people are out there listening to what I'm saying and it's making a difference. So if it has helped you, please make sure that you, you know, leave a little bit of a review uh, make sure that you, you know, give me some some feedback and some points because uh, it's how I know that this is working and adding value. So, yeah, so this week, um, carry on a little bit from the theme from last week, looking again about us. Um, you've heard about me, you've heard about my background. And um, I wanted to kind of tell you why I think it's, it's important that you become comfortable with sharing your story, with sharing more about yourself um, and about your philosophies and your um, your own insights. And the reason for that is that a business is made up of a combination of tangible and intangible assets. And if you consider even like a construction business, for example, a business that actually just builds houses, it builds stuff, builds, you know, materials so something that actually is tangible 84 percent of its value is actually uh tangible which means 16 percent of a biz uh, a construction business is valuable is intangible so for you know you've got a construction business that's valued at 100 million 16 million is value is actually intangible assets which consists of its brand its philosophy its values it's all of the, you know, the promises that it makes through its marketing and through its messages. Um, very recently in, in the UK, there was a, um, a uh, tour, pro- tour provider uh, called Thomas Cook, who um, went, went bust. And the, the brand was sold uh, to a Chinese company, tour company, for £10 million. So its brand, its intangible assets were still worth £10 million. And that's built up over time. It's built up with stories. It's built up with brand value. It's built up with um, what we call brand equity, which is essentially, the va- as we said, the value of all of the things that you can't really sort of see, smell and touch. And even at a, a, a lower level with a sort of smaller lifestyle or boutique business, you can kind of start the p- process of creating these things. And I call it kind of like know thyself. And it's important that you get comfortable with, with talking about this because this is how people buy this is how people consume this is how people are selecting you and 
choosing to whether or not to have a treatment or procedure with you, a lot of it's based on your intangible assets and the stories that you tell and and how good you are at telling those stories. And in my experience, actually, not many people are particularly good at telling the stories. So here's a scenario for you. So imagine that you're in the queue for a coffee shop or, uh, you know, go to buy some buy something and you're there and you've got, you know, your favourite bag or favourite pair of shoes or your favourite shirt, you know, something that's kind of, you know, a little bit outstanding, um, could cause, a, you know, you feel good in it. My go-to for that is actually I've got a pair of snakeskin shoes that I bought in Thailand that I'm never allowed to wear, um, to be fair, I don't really go with much. But, um, you know, if I was to wear them, they're going to cause a little bit of a stir. And someone might come up and say, there's nice shoes. What do you do for a living? It's like, wow, okay. Now think of that as a question. What do you do for a living? Now, how would you answer that immediately? How would you answer that right now? If someone's to ask you what you did for a living, what would your answer be? Now, invariably, the answers we sort of come out with uh, are caused by your tongue swelling to three times its normal size, your brain just getting instant fog, because a million and one things hit you at once. It's kind of like, oh, what do I, what, 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 um, 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 I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a dentist, I'm a consultant, I'm a therapist, you know, almost, we almost sometimes drop down to the lowest level of value, because, yes, that might be what you do for a living, but it's not really inspiring. It's not really going to be creating the story that generates that sort of intangible asset, if you like. Because how many other people are there who could say the same thing? I'm, my guess is millions. There are millions of people out there who could say exactly the same thing. For me, my, my, if I was to turn around and say, I am a sales and marketing consultant, it's kind of like me. You know, that would be the response I would expect, to be fair, because it's kind of like, well, yeah, great, well done. Now, if you think about yourself slightly differently, and when someone asks you that question, I always think about it as, tell me what you sell. Tell me, it's an invitation to talk about what you are and what you sell. Now, it took me quite a while to work out essentially what it is that I do, Yes, I'm a sales and marketing consultant, but you kind of lots of other things as well, as I'm sure you are. So when we went into looking at vision and values and philosophy, I can comfortably say that actually, you know, yeah, I am. I am a sales, what I am a sales and marketing consultant. I'm an entrepreneur. And it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that that's what I was, that I was an entrepreneur. Because when I first went into the into the you know, market and left my business, oh, so I created my business, my perception of an entrepreneur was someone like Richard Branson, you know, who kind of made it, um, had, you know, all the trappings, that's what an entrepreneur was. But actually, an entrepreneur is just someone who's just trying to create something of value um, to solve a need that he, that he or she believes is not being met. Um, that's an entrepreneur. But my wife, Amy, bought me a book, uh, a beautiful Aspinall journal, a leather-bound journal. And on the front of the journal had uh, embossed my name, Richard Crawford Small, and then underneath it, it said entrepreneur. 
Now, I found it really difficult to use that because I thought, well, taking it out in front of people, they're going to look at it and think, you know, what? Who's this guy I think he is? You know, I'm not worthy of of that. And at the time, it was probably true. But that was kind of 10 years ago. And now, like me, <laughs> that book's, you know, a little bit worn. The leather's really kind of bedded in. It's got scratches. It's got scars. It's learnt its lessons. It's learnt its trade. So I'm much more comfortable with being called an entrepreneur now. And, you know, the founder of Aesthetic Entrepreneurs, uh, we help inspire, grow and develop uh, business owners by businesses by inspiring and working with the people behind them. You know, we are a people-led business. So it takes time to, to kind of get used to what you are. But as you, if you're listening to this, you are already transcending from being what you kind of trained to be into entrepreneurs, into an aesthetic entrepreneur. So we need to find the, the language uh, of you know, how you are going to position yourself in that market because that is what people will buy because that is what stands you apart creates that differentiation and contributes to the value of your brand and the equity that it has so there's an exercise that we we do or in my book um called the five whys now i didn't invent this um it's it's kind of correct term is root cause uh, analysis which is pretty Pretty dry title, but that's essentially what it is, root cause analysis. And I, I believe it was created by Toyota um, to look at manufacturing defects. And the premise is that if you ask why five times, then you are going to get to the core of the issue, core of the problem. And we can apply this to entrepreneurial thinking. So, if again, if I was to ask you um, a, a really simple question, which is, why do you want to grow your business? Now, the initial response that would probably come out is, well, because I want more money. Stupid. Isn't that obvious? That's what I want. I want more money. And yeah, that's a superficial answer, but it's what you think. Okay. So if I ask you, well, why? Why do you want more money? Okay. Now we sort of start to dig in because it's essentially is what are you going to use that money for? And this becomes quite a powerful exercise. Now, I did this live with someone, and you have to be careful when you do this because sometimes people do share and it can become quite emotional. And one, in, one example was we did this. It's like, yep, yeah, the answer always comes back is, well, I want more money. And then we ask, well, why? And it's, well, because I want to uh, have a, you know, a, a, I want a successful business. I want to have a better standard of living. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's important. Why? Why is it important to you to have a better standard of living? And you might think, well, that's an obvious question. But actually, the answers that come back are very, very different. So why is it important for you to have an obvious, uh, you know, a standard of living? As well, because I'm, I'm tired. I'm being worked very, very hard in my current job. I want to have control over my life. And um, I want to, you know, feel free. And this is what we're sort of coming back. And then you ask, well, why again? Why is it important for you to feel free? Because I don't want to be controlled by anybody. I want to be in charge of my own destiny. And you go, okay, well, why is that important? And what came back was, is because I've just gone through a nasty divorce. Um, and I need to provide for my, my children, but also teach them that there is a different way of doing things. And they don't have to live the life I lived. Now, that is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. And going through this five wires exercise, it takes you on that journey if you really lean into it. 
So on that instance, that example with that particular person, and this that happened. That was in a in a workshop I ran, and we went from literally from I need to earn money to I need to basically in you know inspire my children to do better, you know, to have higher expectations and not lead the life that I have had. And when you look at motivation. I don't believe that many people are particularly motivated by money. I'm most certainly not motivated by money. I'm motivated by, I like to, to serve, uh, to get results, to, you know, enjoy the successes my client has. Um, but also, yeah, of course, that I get rewarded for that. But for me, it's about independence. The more revenue I generate, the more I can do with it, and the more I'm moving towards my goal of financial independence. So for me, that that's where the, the mission is. More people I help, solve more problems I can solve, then eventually I'll be able to do whatever it is I want and and who wouldn't want that. So by understanding who you are, then we can look at where we want to go. And it's a process that we all need to go through, the whole know thyself process. Um, because if you don't have your goals and you don't really understand where it is you're going to go, then the answer is you'll probably end up anywhere. Um, but where that pace ends up is might not be where you actually want to be. And then actually becomes more challenging to rebuild and, and go again. So if you start with the end in mind and you're listening to this and you're thinking, right, I'm you know, going to grow and develop my business, really dig into these, these answers. Well, why do I want to do that? Because when we get to goal setting, what I also find is that people's um, goals are pretty weak. And uninspiring. So again, the goal, I want to make money. That's not a goal. That's just, it's it's uninspiring. And if you said that to your clients, you know, well, why did you, why did you create your own business? Well, because I want to make more money. It's not going to inspire them. If you said something along the lines of, well, I'm really passionate about what I do. Um, and I wanted to take control of my life so I could create a better life for myself and also show them, you know, demonstrate to my children that there is another way of doing things and they don't have to work for the man. They can create their own life as well. That's going to be quite inspiring. And if you were to do a podcast or a Facebook Live or some sort of content communicating that out to the world, people are going to hit that, they're going to listen to it, and some of them are going to be inspired. And you will resonate and attract a different type of client than you would do if you were just basically talking about what you do and how you do it. But to do that requires bravery, requires an awful lot of bravery. It requires you to be comfortable with sharing and opening it up, opening yourself up a little bit to the world. Now, I'm not suggesting that we share every part of our intimate detail. I mean, yes, of course, we need to have a filter. But my point is, is that if you want to grow a, 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 a business that attracts the right type of client, then you need to become more comfortable with sharing a little bit about your own personality and your own philosophy. And the way that we do it, the way that I've defined a kind of a model um, in, in our world, in, in the aesthetic entrepreneur's world, is kind of six steps. And the first step is, is goal. It's all about goal setting. Um, it's all about, you know, as we're experiencing, exploring now is the why you want to do something. Once we understand the why, well, then the next step, obviously, is how, the plan. So we know what the goal is, and then we're going to create a plan on how to do it. I 
you know, my 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 philosophy around that is that a a goal is just a dream with a plan attached to it. Really straightforward. What we plan, we do. So we create the plan, and we execute that plan. In there, the next step is culture. So what is your philosophy? What are your vision and values? What is it that you want to communicate to the world? You know, we all want to serve. We all want to stand for something. We maybe we want to save the world. Do we want to save you know one person at a time? Do we want to bring quality to our area? You know, what is it that we want to do? What do we what do we do? How who do we how do we serve them? Then the next step is uh, community. Who do we serve? So what are the visual what are the problems that our clients have? What are their goals? What are their aspirations? And then we understand who they are, and we can put the content out that attracts them. Once we understand that, then we get given opportunities, opportunities to serve, opportunities to help, opportunities to um, change their lives, opportunities to support them. All of these things get presented to us, an opportunity for us to add value to their life. And by doing that, we get a reward, a reward of equal value. So if we change their life a little bit, well, we're going to get a small value exchange. If we make massive impacts in their life, then we're going to get you know, large, larger rewards. And as a business, our reward we take in currency, we take in money, right? And but it all starts from goal, and it all goes through those state, those change, those stages. I don't believe you can jump or shortcut. You have to go through a plan, and each one of those steps needs to be done in order, because at the final, the point of when you want to start to sell something. It's not just you're just selling something. There's insight, experience, passion, philosophy, vision, values. There's videos. You've got content out there. There's so much richness that's behind your value proposition, behind what it is that you want to provide to the world, that they would be they'd be compelled to step towards you, be compelled to engage with you and, and listen to more about what you've got to say. So that's how that's why it's important to to do what I kind of did last week to share a little bit about my story, uh, share a little bit about your own stories um, as much as you're comfortable with. But still, you've got to let people in. And that's the only way that we can really build relationships and build trust, because business development is about three things. It's about build, about creating and starting a conversation it's about converting that conversation into a relationship and then converting the relationship into um, into trust. And it's that trust that people purchase. And there's lots of different steps in between. So the conversation is essentially what our, you know, our marketing. And then we build and we nurture and we generate you know, a rapport and relationship uh, and trust with that particular client. And then they purchase. And there are varying different ways that we can do that. But that's, you know, an initial sort of, you know, thoughts on, on how we, we need to start to change the way that we think about business. Because when you look at things like us talking about adding value and adding value has a number of different stages to it. And I look at it as it goes over, goes through five stages. And the first stage of, of value is is a commodity. So five stages are we've got commodity, we've got product, we've got service, and then we have experience and then transformation. So we've got commodity, product, service, experience, and then transformations. So at commodity level, it's the basically it's the it's the raw 
essentially the raw material, which is the, the offering. So if we took a really obvious example in the world of aesthetics, let's take Botox as an example, okay? So the raw material, the commodity behind Botox is the Clostridium botulinum uh, bacteria, okay? So it's a commodity, it's a bacteria, uh, therefore there are lots and lots of them. By definition, there are lots of them. Um, and it has very little differentiating um, characteristics, okay? It's a bacteria. And yes, in, in high enough doses on a sausage, it will kill you. Then we can take that and turn it into a product. So we could take that, uh, that um, bacteria, we can purify it, we can take one particular serotype, we can take type A, uh, we could take one particular uh, molecule size of that, and we can put it into a vial, put a brand on it, and there we have our product, okay? So the product is Allergan's preparation, which would be Botox. Now, at that point, that product is then given to someone to administer. So we have the third stage of value, which is service. And that service provision, again, can be provided by you know qualified people, but again, still there's quite a few and there's very little differentiation there. And the challenge is, is that is where majority of businesses actually stop on that, that journey. They stop at three of five. And at three, when you look talking about service provision, there are lots of there's not a lot of differentiation. And that's where you hear about things like it's an overheated market, it's very, very challenging, I've got lots of competition, I've got lots of people vying for my market. And that's because you are poorly differentiated. You're just a service provider. Like all the other service providers, there's very little there. Now, I call that there, that big, there's a line. If you imagine a vertical line, so you've got three stages, there's two after this, one vertical line there, blocking you, I call it the barrier of apathy. And the reason I call it the barrier of apathy is because if you wanted to get into the promised land of creating experiences where the actual event is the, um, the offering, and then finally to transformations where the individual, where you become the offering, where people come to see you because it's you, you have to invest time, energy and money to get over the barrier of apathy. Time, energy, and money. So you have to put resources in place. And it takes time, it takes energy, it takes money, as we said. And that's a lot of people don't wanna do that. So what they'll do is they'll continue to just sell the product and the service. So they'll talk about the products they use and the service they provide, but not talk about the things that really differentiate, which are the philosophy, the stories, the culture, the goal, the plan, why they are the best positioned to deliver on that opportunity. And they'll, and not, they'll not talk about anything other than that, than the actual things that people want to hear in order to, for them to make the decisions and feel comfortable to buy. It doesn't make any sense to me how you've got work through all of this experience and these wonderful life stories and journeys that you've been on to then suddenly decide that we're not going to communicate those to our target clients. In fact, we're going to rely on the messages that are provided to us by a pharmaceutical company who has absolutely no idea what experience and journeys that I've been on. So we take the messages that they have, internalize them, put your own spin on it, and push them back out as your messages. Add your little your stories to it. And then you, by communicating your philosophy, you'll start to attract 
the, the community, the people who are right for you, who resonate with you, who know, oh, you know what, yeah, that person's just, they're like me. They like the things I like. They talk the way I talk. People buy from people. You know, she, oh, well, the rides horses. Oh, I ride horses. Or I don't ride horses. I don't like, but I like horses, you know. There's, there's all these sort of mental pictures that get created um, and they're consuming all of your wonderful content before and building that relationship with you before they've even walked in to your premises, even before they've even engaged with you. They are becoming pre-sold. This is a great example of that whole process. So you listening to this, you may not have ever met me. You may have maybe seen me present. You might have bought my book. You might have joined the Aesthetic Entrepreneurs group and, you know, watched one of the Facebook lives. But you are becoming, you're, you know, you're listening to what I'm saying and it's resonating with you. You're agreeing with it. You're thinking, oh, that's interesting. I understand. Okay, I get that. And we lean in and we take steps and take steps and take steps. And then when you're ready, when you're right, when the time is right and you decide that maybe you want to get some support or some help, then that's when you take the step in. It is exactly the same process with your clients as well. They are going through that same journey. They only buy at the point where they have trust. And if there's one thing that you can take away from this podcast, it's this saying, is that if your clients trust you to solve their problems for them, then you'll never have to sell anything in your life, ever. And it's all about that. It's everything that you do from this point on is geared towards building trust. And the quickest way to build trust is to share vision, values, philosophy, personal stories, client stories, why you do this, why you do that. Of course, you can talk about products and services, but talk about why you chose those products. What's it meant? Why is it important to my client that I have chosen these things? Don't just talk about them like everybody else does, because we are the consumers too savvy now. And uh, in the UK, uh, you know, you can't promote um, prescription only medicines. You can't promote Botox anyway. So you should be talking about the outcome and that kind of thing. So there's there's some thoughts on why it's important to share, why it's important to share your story. Because I think, you know, as humans, we're geared to listening to stories. You know, we are hardwired to enjoy stories, to take them on board, to learn through storytelling. And if you just think about marketing as just storytelling, you're not going to be too far from the mark. Um, think about all different analogies and ways that you can explain, have you know, four or five different ways to explain something. And you know, you're, think about it when you explain something to your children. You tell stories. So that's what you need to do. Start thinking about stories and how you're going to communicate them. Um, think about why you want to be telling those stories. Tell your story. Everybody has a little story. Everything has a story. Your product has a story. Treatments that you do have a story. So tell those. Don't just blindly follow um, the perceived logic, which is I must pump my products and services as much as possible to get revenue. Here's a statement for you. You will make more money if you don't talk about products and services. You will make more money if you don't talk about products and services. So that turned into a little bit of a rant on a bit of a weird tangent, but I think I got my point across. Uh, I hope the stories in this were um, were helpful. And um, as we move through this, I think you know there's opportunities to 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 learn, develop, grow, both as business people, 
and business owners, but also as individuals and entrepreneurs. And that's part of the goal of these of this podcast series is to help you grow, not just grow your business, but start thinking about things in a slightly different way and introduce different concepts to you and things that maybe challenge you a little bit. But um, if it's challenging you, then that means it's it's hitting the right place and making you think. Now, on the subject of challenging, I've got a really interesting podcast for you next week. So um, it's the podcast is going to be actually the recording of a webinar um, that we did uh, just last night with a guy called Jason Greystone. Uh, Jason is a professional trader. Um, he also has an amazing podcast himself called Always Free. Um, you'll find uh, that in the link in the comments uh, of the po- podcast for next week. And Jason uh, kindly agreed for me to interview him in the Aesthetic Entrepreneurs community. And um, so what we're going to do for next week's uh, podcast is I'm literally just going to share with you the raw uh, audio of that um, webinar because there are some amazing, amazing insights into the, in that uh, from looking at wealth management, definition of financial independence uh, through to business models, it's going to absolutely blow your mind. And this is coming from a guy who became financially independent at 29 years old. Um, he's very much people like me. He's from a not from a privileged background, um, but he came up with a model, uh, a plan, and executed that plan to create financial independence for himself. And now he runs a number of different companies, one of the education company, um, also uh, works on a, a program to help other people achieve financial independence. So if that's something that you're interested in, um, I definitely think you should lean in and listen to next week's podcast. Um, I'm really, I was really excited about having him on and um, he absolutely did not disappoint. So I can highly recommend that you turn tune in for that one next week. Um, but in the meantime, what I'd like you to do is go and do the five wise exercise. Ask yourself this question. You know, why am I doing what I'm doing? What is it? I You know, ask yourself a couple of questions, really. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What is my goal? There we go. Answer that question. What is my goal? What do I want to achieve in the next six months? And then just inter- interrogate that. Ask yourself why five times. And don't be, don't be wimpy about the answers. Go for it. You've got to find the real meat, the pay dirt in there. See if you can come up with an answer that's even more emotional than I want to provide for my children, give them the best life um, and you know, prove to them that there is another way, that they don't have to follow my path. That's a powerful one. So I want to see if you can come up with one equally as powerful. Um, and, um, and then we can use this as fuel motivation personally but also take elements of that and use that to communicate us and our philosophy to our prospective clients and um, grow our businesses in a wonderful organic way and create those beautiful businesses that I know we all want. So thanks very much for tuning in guys um, and I will speak to you next week. Take care. Bye now. Subscribe now for tips, insight, and stories to enhance, empower, educate, and elevate your business to new heights.